Welcome to the Cherry Picker, the horror movie podcast where we like to kill people, but not really. I'm your host, Zach Cherry, and with me as always is... <laughs> They're all gonna die. Eddie of Edward is Truth. <laughs> and uh, today we are going to be talking about Jaws, released Jaws. June 20th. Released June 20th, 1975. And uh, this is a big summer horror blockbuster. So I feel uh-huh. like uh, it, it was important that we needed to to get this in here somewhere. And yeah. um, I've never actually seen Jaws before. My God. Yeah. <laughs> I have. Yeah. You're supposed to be like, you've never seen Jaws? Um, you've never seen Jaws? What's wrong with you? Do you live under a rock? I don't know where I'm from. I don't know where you're from. <laughs> Not Amityville. Uh, what, what state are New they England. in? <laughs> New England. Is it? Well, New England's not a state. Massachusetts. Okay, there Massachusetts. we go. Massachusetts. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I had I had never actually seen this, and uh, it was one of those things where it's just like, how how did I not? How did I never see this? Because I've seen parts of it, yeah. mostly on TV mm. here and there, but I've never actually sat through uh, from beginning to end. So now that I have, I have my opinion of it. Um, but uh-huh. uh, let me let me hear what what was your first uh, encounter. Well, before I go into that, do you want to know what it's about? Well, no. Tell me your tell me your encounter, and then you can tell me what it's about. <laughs> oh, okay. My, uh, I don't remember. You're not running the show this. here. I just want to make sure we have a particular <laughs> way we do things usually, and now no, I'm getting don't. thrown. I don't. I don't. Okay. I, I worked hard on this. I want to make sure it okay. gets in. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. No, I don't remember the first time I saw it. It was one of those kind of like always there movies, very much kind of like the thing you know that I grew up with, and yeah. I. I, it was one of those weird <laughs> movies that I remember. I understood within the context of the movie why it was scary, kind of like The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. I could watch it and experience the terror along with the characters, but I didn't have that thing that so many kids and adults had with the movie where it gave them like a phobia, you know, uh, 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 about the water. Um, I don't, I don't remember. Whereas my sister, she was afraid to go sit on the toilet after she saw the movie. She thought the shark was going to come up in the toilet water and bite her butt. <laughs> and, and when we had a swimming pool, she was afraid to go swimming alone because she thought a shark would just kind of materialize, I guess, in the pool. You know, irrational. Or maybe she was like already that. pre-planning Sharknado. Probably. You know. I've never, <laughs> I've never actually seen any of those movies, but I'm sure there's probably an instance in one of them where a shark... Mm comes flying out of a tornado and lands in a pool. I saw the first one, and I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't remember anything about it. It's, yeah. I don't know, that kind of kitsch. You, uh, it, you can't do it intentionally. It has to have passion behind it and someone yeah. who believes in the project, and then you just kind of fail upwards. Yeah, well, that's, we, we've, that's talked, we've talked about camp before where it's, it, 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 yeah. it's unintentional. That's when it works the best. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you're winking at the audience the whole time, well, then why, why are we sitting ah, here? Ah. <laughs> exactly. Am I funny yet? Did I get you? You see what I did there? Yeah, I saw what you did. Anyway. Why don't you, <laughs> why don't you uh, tell us what uh, Jaws is about? All right. <clears throat> In the New England beach town of Amity Island, a young skinny dipper gets attacked 
and pulled underwater by an unseen force in the ocean. After her partial remains lead the medical examiner to attribute her death to a shark attack, Chief Martin Brody asserts that the beaches must immediately be closed in spite of the pending 4th of July holiday tourism. But the town mayor insists the beaches remain open, even as the shark's body count increases one innocent life after another. Finally, Chief Brody accompanies a consulting oceanographer and a local shark fisherman onto a small seafaring vessel to hunt this elusive predator. But will all their resources and determination keep them from passing through the carnivorous fish's jaws. Huh? <laughs> I'm still, it's, it's still so jarring for me for you to not like have that final inflection like it was a question. <laughs> jaws. jaws. <laughs> I'll try it next time. We'll see. Nah, it's all good. You, you do you. Um, Okay. So what'd you think? So, <laughs> yeah, I want to hear. This might be very um, uh, contentious. I don't know. Okay, I like the movie. Okay, I I gave this four stars on <laughs> Letterboxd, <laughs> as right. I now do every time I watch a movie. I'll go on there and I'll just be like writing it. <laughs> <sighs> and I I almost feel like like I try to be as. Um, how do you say? Just, just as true to like how I felt about it. Like I didn't want to be influenced by the the legacy of the movie because I feel like this is a movie that just because it is so well known and it is so well talked about. I actually I feel like it's kind of overrated, and okay. I I don't know if it's it's just because it was one of the like the the powerhouse hits of the time. Like in the seventies is really when you know all these movies were coming out that had never done what they had done before. So yes. I might just be ruined because, A, I mean, because I, you know, I was alive for, you know, a lot of stuff in the 80s. So I, I can look back on that with nostalgia. But, you know, maybe just because I hadn't been born yet, but also because even up until now, like 2022, I hadn't watched it. Um, but a lot of it was just so, like, it just wasn't clicking for me. And I think that my my biggest gripe um, is that uh, pacing and structure because mm. when they finally get out onto the sea in that boat, that's when the movie starts for me. Everything in the mm. first half of this movie could have been just at the most, like probably cut down into, I'd say at the most 30 minutes at the most. <laughs> so it, it's... Okay. I, I, I was I was sort of looking at the time. I'm not sure if I, I was right for when they actually <clears throat> left. It might have been like an hour and ten, an hour and fifteen minutes into the movie. Um, mm. So that that whole first half, 
it just felt like we were meandering about. Like, I get that, like, we have to show people dying, but it just, it felt so recycled each time. It's just like, oh, someone died. And I get that they're trying to do, like, the mayor is just like, we're staying open, 4th of July. But it's just like, nothing is happening. And because of that, Brody is such a, like, a passive protagonist that, uh, I mean, like, when we finally, I, I, it's when Hooper, I think that's his name, right? Yeah. Or is it Hopper? Yeah. Whatever the, the, the Richard Dreyfus character showed up. The minute he came on the screen, before he even opened his mouth, I'm just like, hmm? <laughs> Someone new? <laughs> like, I'm already way more interested in this guy than anything else in the movie. And sure oh, yeah. enough, I think, like, he... Because like, we'd already met uh, Quint at that point, but he was still kind of, uh, like, shuffled to the background. We, he, he was just kind of like, the, you know, the old sea captain who was yeah. the eccentric yeah. type that no one, no one really listened to. Um, so, you know, when they finally do get out, out on the water, like, I, I like Brody and, I, and, you know, like, I'm interested in his dynamic with everyone. But I still think out of the three of them, he's the least interesting to me. And it's almost like it's this pattern that i've seen in so many movies where they don't write the main character to be dynamic enough mm-hmm. that they're just you're just kind of more focused on the, the supporting characters even though they might not be relevant to what's going on so mm-hmm. i think because of that and, and like i said just like the structure like the act structure because i couldn't really figure out like there there weren't really it's just like there's the first half of the movie and then the second half. And mm-hmm. um, and then, the, yeah, the pacing that just kind of dragged this down for me. But once once we get out onto the ocean, I was just like hooked. So that's that's in, in a <laughs> nutshell. That's that's kind of my my stance on it. But but I will say like that that last half was good enough that I was just like, well, OK, this is a, this is a four star movie. But okay. be, but it's not a perfect movie, obviously. OK. Um, I think that's all fair, uh, especially considering like the context with which you're coming at this movie. I'm coming at it from a completely different context. Um, even in my relationship to, as a moviegoer, to the director, because <clears throat> I've had a couple experiences the last three movies of his that he that I've seen that he's directed recently. I don't mean the last three that have been released, even though two are Ready Player One and West Side Story. Um, which I had very mixed reactions to. I actually had a mostly negative reaction to Ready Player One, especially once I found out about all the changes that he made from the book, uh, yeah. from a number of just, friends of mine who were context, familiar with the book. Just for context, we're talking about yes. Steven Spielberg. Yes, yeah. sorry about that. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, I always assume. He's like one of those names that it's just like you always assume people know. Steven Spielberg directed Jaws and Jaws begat this and the, that. You know? <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, and then I saw... Uh, uh, West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg, uh, helmed one, and really appreciated, actually, uh, interesting <laughs> that you talk about, like, the first half and the second half of this movie. Really appreciated the first half of West Side Story, and then the second half, the bottom started dropping out for me. Things that had been shifted didn't seem to be accounted for later. I was just kind of like, but wait, you moved this, so now that has to, what, uh, what am I watching? And um, and just kind of, I appreciated his effort. I don't think he's an incapable director at all. I just, it started to occur to me, like, there's something about the way he ha- deals with uh, 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 um, the material that sometimes feels very 
uh, and, and, and not necessarily with this movie, but with other movies, largely feels like there's things he just doesn't care about, so I feel like he just kind of lets them go. And then there are other things that he really cares about, and especially with maybe the last 30 years of films, feel yeah. very presentational. Even the third movie in this uh, little lineup of movies that I that preceded Jaws for me uh, just this summer, I re recently rewatched the first Jurassic Park and realized... Even though I really, really enjoy the ride of that movie, and I think it's the strongest of that franchise still, there are a lot of choices that he made that I feel like, you know, we're not idiots. You don't have to yeah. push it in can our you, face quite so much. Yeah. Can you just elaborate on some of these things that you're saying? Because you're being very cryptic, and I just want to... Oh, I'm have sorry. Because I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying not to make it about the films. I'm trying to kind of, like, make yeah. a point about Jaws. But, I mean, with Jurassic Park, like... um, Oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't put this in my notes or anything like that. So let me try and remember. Um, but I mean, just like some things that, uh, 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 feel incredibly strategic that when they work, like that T-Rex sequence in Jurassic Park, I think is unparalleled. It's untouchable. I do think it's perfect and I would change nothing about it. Yet there are other moments, uh, in the movie where just the way he'll like angle a camera at a character or just the way he'll, um, choose to kind of like give the exposition as to like this and that. I'm just kind of like, you know, we could have picked up on this a lot more subtly than, uh, than what you're doing. And actually that came back to me while I was watching this movie and made me realize one of the things that I really, really like about Jaws. I don't feel that it's really got that kind of presentational Spielberg stamp on it. I feel like, um, there's a lot more ambiguity and a lot more kind of him just kind of positioning the camera in a space, like in a room, mm -hmm. and just kind of capturing things, letting things happen and letting them feel, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, spontaneous. And almost like I'm eavesdropping. And I wish he'd actually capitalize on that more as a filmmaker now, as opposed to, um, oh, one thing I can talk about in terms of just like... Uh, overuse of the camera in West Side Story it, during a boy like that with Anita and Maria. It's a very visceral moment. Uh, it's a very visceral point in the movie. And this is a all song and dance is, number. It's not even a dance. It's just a song. Okay. It's literally when Anita finds <laughs> out that Maria, spoilers for West Side Story, folks, that Anita finds out Maria has lost her virginity to the boy who killed her brother. And Indeed. Anita was dating Maria's brother. So now Anita's pissed. <laughs> And she basically unleashes, yeah, and <laughs> unleashes on her in a song called A Boy Like That with lyrics like A Boy Like That Who'd Kill Your Brother, Forget That Boy, and Find Another. And, um, <laughs> and it's a, and it's a very severe, like angry, amazing, visceral song. And all you really need are the two actresses to interact with each other and just kind of like occupy the space. And he did this weird thing where he's following, where <laughs> Maria's trying to escape Anita through like these hanging sheets. <laughs> <laughs> that her laundry that she's been doing and Anita's like chasing her through the sheets and I'm like what the fuck am I watching this is not Texas Chainsaw Reboot like I don't need all this like ooh look she's she's pursuing her like the shark in Jaws I didn't yeah. need that I just need somebody to be angry in a room with a girl confronting her and the girl to get in her face and say don't tell tell me my tell me my life like you don't know what I'm going through yeah. and yeah anyway so that's one example of like the presentationalism yeah. that I'm, I'm talking I was about. even but thinking movie, uh Laundry sheets, uh, like uh, Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. 
Yeah, here you go again. Like, that's another one. That doesn't last as they long, that sequence. Spielberg but... could have had a thing where Anita or whoever like fell to the ground and then, <laughs> and then pull the sheet down and there's the other girl standing there. <laughs> Not maybe that not with an axe, but you know, <laughs> just in yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Myers. Or stand. maybe might have made the second act better. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah. anyway, well, I mean, how um, okay? Lo- what, what in just in relation to the rest of his career, where does yeah. this fall chronologically? Like, is this his first movie? This is his second. He had done, as far as I know, uh, this is because he had done Duel before this, which was essentially this movie, mm-hmm. but about a truck, not about a shark. Like, there's this, like, destructive truck that is, like, killing people left and right. I've never seen it. So and, maybe it just, um, it just came down to, you know, the the, the presentation aspect of, of his direction that you speak of might have just been yeah. something he kind of picked up along the way. Because, you know, I, I feel like even in, in the fact that you didn't want to mention his name, not that you didn't want to, but just you <laughs> felt that his, he needed no introduction is because right. he is a director who needs no introduction. Introduction. And yeah. he's he's kind of has this stamp on filmmaking that yeah. it's almost like he can, he can do no wrong, and you know even if he does wrong, people are just like they won't say anything. Um, and yeah. one thing one thing I noticed because um, this this movie is rated PG, and yeah. Poltergeist, which um, you know we we talked about in just his involvement in that episode. But that was mm-hmm. rated PG as well because there was no PG yes. thirteen back then. And even watching yeah. Jaws, I mean, personally, like we already talked about, uh, th- like I said, that I wouldn't mind if Scream was rated PG thirteen or things like that, which you disagreed with, but whatever. Um, but I was just like looking at them <laughs> in th- in this movie, and some of the shark attacks are like pretty brutal, like yeah. when little uh, uh, what's his name the the boy. Oh, the son? Alex. Um, Alex, uh, yeah. When he's getting yeah, pulled under and there's like this almost geyser of blood yeah. like <laughs> popping up amidst like all the other From children like just like still playing or, or running back to the shore. And it's and it, just like the imagery was like very disturbing in a way that I, I look at this yeah. and I'm just like, this is PG. So I almost feel like Steven Spielberg has like made a pact with the MPAA where it's just like, it doesn't matter what I do. You give me a PG rating. No, <laughs> no, actually, that's that I know uh, for a fact is not true because they no. did have to cut. The thing is, he never minded, particularly with this movie, cutting anything that they asked him for, because I think, number one, he knew instinctively to shoot more. So yeah. it would be easier to excise things without l- completely losing it from the movie. Yeah. Um, but like the uh, one thing that I heard brought up in a documentary about this movie uh, very in-depth, like two-hour-long uh, documentary. Spielberg cited the uh, chomped-off leg falling to the bottom of the ocean floor, and it bounced and landed, and then blood kind of like spurted up and everything like that. And mm. he basically cut that little sequence in half, so you just see the leg fall. It bounces once, and then you don't see it even mm. once it tilts to the side. You don't see it hit the ocean floor, and the geyser of blood doesn't continue to like you know surface. And right. that that was all they wanted. They were actually really trying to get a PG because they wanted more people to see yeah. it, and um, you know because they were going to make more money that yeah. way. I feel like also thinking, like it, it, it has to do with content as well because like a movie like Jaws, like we're not dealing with a mass murderer. Or anything yes. that, that is human, you know. You, I'm sure you could 
you know, classify the the shark as as being Michael Myers esque yeah. in a way. But I mean, like, it's still like it's it's more true to life. It's it's more like a cautionary tale, like don't go in the water, yeah. you know, like, right. like what, what it made people <laughs> afraid of that that they they could get away with certain things with the MPAA because it's just like this is. It's almost just like the, whatever the, the message of the movie is or, you know, the, what, what yeah. if, if, if they're looking at it and being like, OK, well, like it's not gratuitous violence. Like it's still within the context of what what they're trying to go for in, in the movie. Right. But particularly uh, from the MPAA <laughs> stance uh, in the 70s at that particular point, the thing that they seem to be the most preoccupied with were was uh, like role modelism. You know, yeah. like, is this going to influence people to go off and do horrible things? And they're like, there's nothing in this movie that's going to influence somebody to, number one, imitate a shark. Number two, go attack people in the water. Number mm-hmm. three, go out chasing sharks. If anything, it's going to discourage them from doing it. It is like a safety precautionary kind of like, okay, kid. It's, you know, you know, you know better than to, you know, <laughs> go chase, go chasing sharks or go biting your friends in the water, you know, like, um, because I think it helps that the killer of the movie was uh, an animal, a marine animal and not yeah. a human being. If it, if it were anything else, I think maybe that's why Duel, because Duel, I actually looked it up right now. I never even realized Duel wasn't even a feature. It was a TV movie. So, mm. you know, Spielberg so was really is his first. To, theatrical there was one other feature that he did that i've never heard of before that i saw in his uh uh uh, body of work and i have to scroll to it again but um it's fuck 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 it's all the way down at the bottom it looks like it just doesn't have a tv or a short after it but it's called firelight in 1964 i have no idea about this thing menacing flying saucers attack the citizens of a town it's two two hours and 20 minutes what year was he born uh, Steven Spielberg was born in, scrolling back, 1946, December 18th. He's a sad. So that was probably, I mean, like, he was probably in film school. It was probably just like a like a project uh, that he did for that. It's over two hours long. I have no idea. I, I don't know enough about It's film the school. You know, they, they let them do, yeah. you know, experiments. Do two hour, over two hour long features? Not really. But, but I mean, just like, but, but if knows, you look maybe. at it, like, you know, it wasn't until he was closer to 30 that, you know, he had yeah. his first uh, feature. Uh, which makes sure, more sense because sure. that's like ten years removed. So there was a lot of uh, a lot of learning. Uh, yeah, to do at that point. Um, but I feel like I, I actually appreciate kind of like the innocence of the filmmaking. Again, like I, I appreciated the lockdown camera, like in the scene that that just kind of eavesdropping on the townspeople right before uh, Quint is going to introduce himself by scratching his nails down the blackboard oh. to draw their attention. <laughs> All I remember, and I saw that, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was, they they uh, spoofed it on an episode of The Simpsons. I don't remember what oh, of course. episode or, or, yes. or context it was. I think it was like Bart. I just remember someone like uh, yeah. scratching their nails down the, the chalkboard to get someone's attention. It's funny yes, how many yes. times I'll uh, watch a movie, like an older movie that I've never seen before, and I see something, mm-hmm. and I'm just mm-hmm. like... Simpsons. Simpsons did it. <laughs> Not like, or even just, just like, like knowing that like they did it after this movie. Yes. Yeah. Or even just like something that you've seen satirized like a bunch of times and then you're just kind of like, oh, that's what that's from. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> because, um, but, but, um, uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about in terms of like its impact on like, uh, mainstream culture and the references that you can make to it. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I'm curious about like how many you got exposure to before seeing the movie like all these years but um 
Uh, before we go into that, um, I did want to just close the door on like that eavesdropping thing. I also impre- one of my favorite scenes that I knew going into this screening when I was taking notes this time that um, that stands out so incredibly to me is uh, the scene at home after uh, Brody is confronted by Alex's mother, um, who oh my god, she breaks my heart, but. Um, when she just tells him, "My boy is dead," and I just wanted you to know that, you know, well, it wasn't and at home. It was, it was, uh, it was on the docks after the. No, no, no. Yeah. But after, after, I'm talking about. She confronts him, and then he goes back home. Yeah. This is the scene I'm talking about. He goes back home, and he's he's just sitting there, kind of bereft at the table, and his little boy is mimicking him, and he doesn't know yet that his little boy is mimicking him, mm-hmm. and that, and he, but he's just kind of like putting his face in his hands, and he's just kind of like moving around. The little boy's doing the same thing. Finally, he looks at his son. And he realizes, like, he closes, he, like, clasps his fingers, you know, uh, and clutches his hands together, like, almost in a prayer position, and the boy does the same thing. And then he starts, like, making his face go silly, and then the little boy starts laughing. And that's when he leans in and just says, like, uh, give us a kiss. And he's just like, why? And he's like, because I need it. And I'm like, yeah, you really do, because... Number one, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders because a little boy, you, you've convinced yourself now a little boy is dead because of you, because you didn't act, you weren't more proactive. And you're doing that thing that parents do when somebody else, like in the neighborhood or in town, whatever, ha- loses a child. You look at your child and you treasure them, you know, like you're like, oh my God, if anything ever happened to my child, I, I don't know what I would do, but my child is here right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to share love with my kid. You know, I'm going to let them know I love you. I'm going to make you laugh. I love that you're here. And now you get going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just so like un non-presentational. It's not, it doesn't feel saccharine to me. It feels so authentic. And so like I can read, I mean, everything I just said is just like reading, you know, into the, uh, the subtext of, of the scene. And I, I love that moments like that exist uh, in this movie. And a lot of the stuff that predates like them going, or not predates, but is uh, precedes them going out on the water. Like I love, uh, uh, I don't know the relationships. I love the fact that like <laughs> his wife is telling him to chill out when he's yelling at the boys uh, that are out by the water on their little dock, you know, yeah. and that one of them's in the boat and he's yelling at me, you get out of there. You tell me, and she's like, listen, he's, he's not in the water. He's in the boat. And then she sees the picture of the shark eating the top, the bottom of the boat. She's like, will you listen to your father? You get out of there right now. And all of a sudden, like the new Englander <laughs> kind of comes out, even though they were making fun of new Englanders when they got introduced in the beginning, like, no, out here on Amity, you say, I don't even remember what the word they say it is, but they're making fun of the way they talk, the way they sit there and, you know, <laughs> I don't know, the Massachusetts twang. <laughs> I don't so, like, things like that. Well, I noticed, what, like, at the, at the really very end, like, in. his, I guess, like, the, uh, the McCready, yeah, fuck you too moment for, yes, for Brody's, he's just like, you. smile, you shut of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He is looking at you, kid. <laughs> Give us a cash. <laughs> okay, I want to see a satire starring you as Brody now. <laughs> Just talking like this the whole We're gonna time. We're going to need a bigger boat. 
<laughs> now I'm thinking of uh, uh, Ned in uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th. Oh. He's just like, you know, sweetheart, uh-huh. you're real cute when you're, you're be- mad. <laughs> yeah, you're beautiful when you're angry. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. No, um, but I mean, that's another thing. It's just like the innate kind of like quotability of the movie, like the you're going to need a bigger boat, or and it oftentimes gets misquoted as we are going to need a bigger boat, but he says it really low. Yeah. So well, he says it like three times reactions. too. <laughs> right. <laughs> and apparently that was ad lib. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. No, and also what I love about it is the fact that Roy Scheider plays it. He you know, like he doesn't do a big, you know, like kind of like <laughs> oh, cartoonish my take. Is <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He just kind of very quietly like moves away yeah. <laughs> and slowly backs away from the place where the shark is no longer occupying, yeah. but it was right there. And now hmm, Mm-mm. You know, it's almost like he's making a. Yeah, beep, 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 I mean, I have I, 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 I take uh, umbrage with that, but. Uh... Oh really? Well, I mean, I because it. it's just it's one of those things. I mean, I get it when you're in shock. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's hard to kind of muster up the things, but he he backed it up into the cabin very slowly while what's his yeah. face was still on the deck there playing solitaire, yeah. whatever he was doing. So just like yeah. Why you say something, you know? It's just like it's in that. <laughs> That silence of, in, in in the moment of shock, where just like, and it, well, and it just it speaks to his character of just being so not proactive <laughs> in any way at all throughout the movie okay. that I would I would expect sure. him to do something like that. <laughs> well, then it's consistent, but also it's, 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 it's consistent. That, I think it's consistent. I I feel like this movie is also part of kind of a bygone era of filmmaking where I think there was a different mentality. A long time ago, like in the mid 20th century into the into the later years of the 20th century, where there was kind of this mentality built around filmmaking where the way in for the audience was to get a star. And at the time, Roy Scheider was a star. In fact, that's the reason he got the job was because the producers in the studio wanted a star in that role. Steven Spielberg had somebody else in mind for that role. I don't remember who. And um, they said, no, we need a name. We need a draw. We need to know that this is going to, like, you know, sell tickets. And um, I don't know around what point in Roy Scheider's career this was. I don't know if this was post. I think it was pre all that jazz. I think he was his star was still ascending. But um, but he was a name. People wanted to go see him in movies. And But at the same time, there is something innately passive about him. Even though I think he's incredibly interesting, I think there's always something going on behind those eyes. Um, I do think that he's part of that, let's put almost a cardboard cutout in the lead so the audience can just kind of fill in the blanks that they need to. As opposed to a character like Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfus, who is such a character but has such a d- developed point of view that... I think a more sophisticated, shall we say, more modern audience now, that's our way in. The person with the sense of humor, the person who's saying what we're all thinking, and the person who's looking at those fuckers going out, like, you know, to go, we're going to go hunt the shark. (laughs) You're all going to die. That's that's the person we want to align ourselves with now, is the one who knows what's going on, sees what's going on, and is also going to do something about it and try to rally people around them or flock yeah. to people who are on the same page as them. And that's largely yeah, who I agree. Is, I, 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 think, I agree. Yeah. And that definitely is part of a, a bygone era. But I'm even thinking like, because this is uh, seven years before the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine yeah. if uh, Brody was <laughs> the the McCready in that movie. 
Like nothing oh, would get boy. done. Like it would, it would, the, the whole thing would just be, you know, like maybe we should, uh, maybe we should put some signs up. Like don't, uh, don't share your yeah. food or whatever. And they're just like, yeah. no. <laughs> Brody's like the Gary kind of. Just in terms yeah, of I guess, like, yeah. he's the one, because he's in charge. But, but he, he has really no, he has no right charge. to be. Yeah. <laughs> he's just kind of following the other people, like, just kind of like, well, I just want to do what's right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that in and of itself is, is at least, I don't, I don't, noble isn't the right word, but at least, I guess, quasi responsible. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I thought, I don't think it just rolls off his back. I wouldn't call him passive in the sense, I call him passive in the sense that he's not the most proactive character, but I don't think he's passive in the sense that, like, he isn't affected by what's going on around him. One of the things that I like about Brody is the number of shots in the movie that we get of him just looking out on the water and just kind of like seeing the vastness, because that's another thing. How do you capture something that's like out in the ocean that is, you know, you haven't put a tracking device on it yet. This is way beyond your pay grade. And the size of the shark even is like beyond anything that has ever kind of like been in your harbors before. And, like I, I just like the kind of uh, the size, the immense size of the problem poses an actual threat, and um, that's something else that I uh, I didn't realize I like this movie as much as I do. But <laughs> <laughs> but again, like even going into it, I I suspected I was going to um I, I remembered the slow burn of it, and I remembered kind of like the subjectivity of the filmmaking, and uh, that I and because that's kind of my wheelhouse. Uh, um, I mean, even just like uh, one Spielberg holdover that I think he maintained in a lot of films that he made after this one is that kind of daily practice of the typical American family. We touched on it, even though he didn't direct Poltergeist, you know, there's a blurred line there. We don't know yeah. whose hands it was in when. But, you know, uh, getting to know that family and being a fly on the wall for a lot of like their kind of like interactions and seeing, oh, this is who they are and this is how they treat each other. And this is, you know, like kind of like a typical day in their lives before the big crux of the film. You know, before yeah. the 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 insurmountable object right. meets, you know, the immovable force or whatever, and whatever the saying is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotcha. uh, what is your relationship with the sequels? Um. Okay. <laughs> I have seen Jaws two probably three or four times. I remember nothing about it. All I know is your favorite Chief Brody is in it, and he didn't want to be in it. Um, like Roy Scheider didn't want to be in it, mm. but um, and he wasn't happy with it as a movie either. He's been very vocal about that after the fact. Jaws 3D was my favorite as a kid because it largely takes place in a marine park, and I was all about like Sea World and you know the San Diego Zoo and like you know all those yeah. enclosures where you can <laughs> see the animals that you see in books and everything like that. Your it sister was, like, must the next have loved that thing. one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I'd have to ask her because I don't know if she even watched it with me. There was a long period when we were very young. Like, this is single digits in the 80s yeah. when she would not watch horror movies with me. And I, for some reason, she caught wind of, like, Jaws and tried to watch it and got watched enough of it to get scared. Mm -hmm. And then I don't, th I don't think she would remember Jaws 3. But, uh, I mean, Jaws 3 has Leah Thompson in it, Dennis Quaid. Uh, it's really ridiculous because the 3D is so bad. Um, I mean, it's this is the thing. I didn't see it in 3D. I saw it in 2D VHS 
which made it look bad. I've heard that if you watch the Blu-ray, which is available in 3D, you know, with like, you know, the 3D glasses and everything like that on a 3D television, it's actually quite good and makes the movie almost enjoyable, kind of like Friday the 13th Part 3. Um, but this, uh, and then the fourth one is legendarily horrible. I remember even as a kid seeing it on cable when I was, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12. And it was so bad they brought the only I, the only person i remember them bringing back the only original cast member was uh brody's wife uh ellen played by again by lorraine gary and i thought that was going to be really really cool but they give her like a sixth sense like the ability to perceive when the shark is near <laughs> Because it's pursued her family. Yeah. Oh, because there's always a member of the family in every one of the sequels. Like, Dennis Quaid plays one of the boys all grown up now. Yeah. And so in the fourth one, she's the one who's, who's like, convinced that the shark has business, like, unfinished business with the family. And it's going to follow them. Is she the uh, <laughs> crazy Ralph of that movie? She is the, she is the yeah. crazy Ralph, but she's also, like, oddly... Um, spoilers for Jaws the Revenge that's the fourth movie folks but she goes out on a boat on the water to f- confront the shark but yeah. she doesn't take any weapons she doesn't take anybody with her so she basically goes out on the water to well, die what's the revenge then like it because the I shark is the it, shark it, is killed at the end of of the first one so what Oh, these are different sharks. These are all different okay. sharks. Every 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 shark gets killed at the end of the movie. And They're like, the it's like Ghost Face. It's never the same one. So is it is yeah, it like it the is. Mrs. It's Loomis to, uh, oh <laughs> to Billy the shark? It's just like <laughs> it's that shark's mother. That's the killer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, because in the third one there is like a they abduct a great white that they don't know is a baby, yeah. <laughs> and they put it in the marine land thing. And then it dies because they're not taking proper care of it. And the mother, who is like the size of an airplane, you know, <laughs> like comes and I mean a big commercial flight airplane yeah. decides to take her revenge uh, in Jaws 3D on the marine park, you know, and she manages to kill all the people. There's like a little tube you can walk through in the ocean and she, you know, d- does away with that. And, you know, she, she's just this big giant Jeez, badass. I, and I really these. liked it as a kid. Uh, yeah, no, Jaws it, the Revenge is fun, too, because they literally run out of footage and they just kind of loop footage from the first movie after they kill the shark. Yeah. And you see just that body, that shark half, like, going down to the bottom of the of the sea. That's used again yeah. for the destruction well, of the shark. Cause I'm Jaws just looking the at the cast of The Revenge, and it looks like um, the the actress who plays Mrs. Kintner is in it. So is that uh, recycled footage or did she come back as well? That I, I, it's been so long. I honestly don't yeah. even remember. I, so I have appreciate to her level of of drama of like coming yes. to this this uh, ceremony. <clears throat> not even just all of them like standing around with the the, mm-hmm. the shark that they think is their shark, and she shows up dressed like a widow. Yes, <laughs> she's in mourning. It's 1975, and when you lived in in. Uh, 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 with her uh, veil, beach she town. Might have, did she even yes. like? She might have lifted it up to slap him. I can't remember. She had it up off of her face for a good portion of yeah. that speech. So yeah, she did. And you know but, what? Because uh, slapping deserved, him was one of the first things he she deserved. Did. That I agree. I agree. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. She, he's lucky he only got slapped. They should have all taken <laughs> turns just going up to him and slapping him. Like it should have been the whole thing. <laughs> but it also should have been the mayor too, because I mean, like that, you, I was you, just gonna say. Yeah. 
I feel yeah, like he because... he went through this movie very um, unpunished. It, it seemed. Well, that's another thing I really like about the movie. Not him, mm-hmm. but I like the <laughs> fact that. It's the, the depiction of, like, the way these people deal with the threat of the shark. It's, like, on a microcosmic level of how we as a society deal with disasters, both unforeseeable at first and then totally foreseeable when we have every reason to exercise caution and we yeah. don't. I mean, <laughs> look at the world now. Yeah. <laughs> any, any kind of hazard that threatens human lives, I felt like this movie is so incredibly prescient and so incredibly relevant today um, because I, I think things that may have felt implausible at the time in terms of like, why won't anybody listen to reason? I mean, maybe they didn't because, you know, like, you know, we had, uh, you know, we had Richard Nixon and, you know, everything that was going on with Vietnam and everything like that, where nobody in power was listening. But, um, but I feel like, uh, this movie will continue to be relevant just because I think people are through the years, unfortunately, going to continue to be able to, uh, relate to, uh, a, a corruption of power or, yeah. or a misuse of power, power being in the wrong hands and people putting their priorities in the wrong place when really safety and the preservation of life should be top priority. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that I love that about the movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. This last screening. Too. Yeah. I recognize that too. Yeah. Um, but that, that said, mayor Larry Vaughn, even the fact it doesn't humanize him for me. Like I'm not sitting there going, Oh, you know, <laughs> it is. I, I'm right there. That's one thing that I actually am really right there with Brody when he's trying to get the mayor to sign off on that sheet to like closing the beaches and going out there and finding the shark and killing it. Mm-hmm. And the mayor's just muttering to himself about like, I, I, I didn't know. I, I could have been, it could have been, listen, you don't understand Martin. It could have been my kid out there. My son was swimming too. And it's like, I love that Brody's energy is just very, I relate to the expression on his face. It's very like, yeah. (laughs) And you're just realizing this now. Okay. Listen, we can prevent it. If you just sign, you know, it's, there's (laughs) all of that kind of relatability, like just keeps me completely like (laughs) in, in, in the, uh, in the movie, yeah. uh, but the, but it does. Like I said, I like the fact that he's not redeemed by that, but that he is certainly, I guess, at best, maybe Informed dimensionalized because because he. I like that he suffered some guilt because of like the horrible errors he just kept making yeah. over and over again, and I I appreciate that. And I realized, oh, he did that. Spielberg did that again with his Hammond in Jurassic Park because yeah. if you read the book Jurassic, I don't know what he's. I don't know what the mayor's like in the book Jaws because I've never read the book Jaws. By Peter Benchley, who wrote the initial treatment uh, and screenplay for this movie before Spielberg wrote his own draft. Um, and then it went into the hands of uh, Carl Gottlieb, who I think got final draft on it. But um, uh, but I know from like the Jurassic Park book versus the movie, like the man in power who's calling all the shots, uh, Hammond... In the book, he's like this unforgivable, like just bis- money grubbing businessman who just seems to resent the fact that everything's getting in the way of his success. And then they make him Richard Attenborough in the movie, and he's like, Welcome to Jurassic Park. It was supposed to be a thing of beauty, something they could <laughs> see and touch. You know, I, oh, I could do Richard Attenborough impressions all day, but um, anyway. Well, I mean, if this, if this was a movie, Jaws, that was, you know, not you know, not even today, but like you know, in the '90s or even the '80s, I'm sure that character yeah. of uh, the mayor would would have been eaten at some point. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would have been cool, but, uh, <laughs> but that another thing I think as much as I might have been hungry for that as a kid <laughs> and as palatable as it would have been, um, yeah. nowadays I know guys like him never pay an ultimate price. Guys like the mayor fail upwards. You know, yeah. that's the theme. That's the theme of this pod is failing <laughs> upwards. <laughs> Yeah. This particular episode. Well, not but, for um, poor uh, Pippet. That was probably, that was the that was the biggest tragedy for me in this movie. Oh, the, really? The, the little dog. Yeah. I know. It's Be- like he didn't even get. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't even reference him. He just disappeared. No, nobody found the remains. Yeah. He just was there, and just then he was not and it breaks stick. my heart. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah. that shit. Yeah, that yeah. hurts me. That hurts my heart. I, but that's another thing. I I, I love that the everything mm-hmm. as far as setting it up seems to be in steeped enough in reality in terms of like uh, the research. I mean, I say research, I put it in quotes. It's like, what does Brody do? He just flips through a few books and sees some pictures, but he's basically the Tommy feel... Jarvis of Jason lives. This is how he we're going to defeat the shark. <laughs> <laughs> totally. They I needed mean, that ring sees... of fire around. <laughs> <laughs> he even sees like a tank, like inside the mouth of what looks like to be another great white. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh, Prescient. He's going to remember that when he sees those <laughs> those pressure, pressurized tanks on the boat and he throws it in the mouth. Like, I mean, it's totally that is presentational, but I don't mind it as much because I feel like that's the exception in this movie. But um, the fact that like we're seeing so many real photos of sharks in action, we're seeing so many photos of actual shark attack victims and they're missing like the, you know, a chunk out of their leg or missing an entire limb or anything like that, you know, like the massacre and everything that, that to me is on par with what uh, William Friedkin did for the exorcist with all of those medical procedures. We put uh, Reagan through right. to just kind of get us all relating to the situation, putting us in the mind of the people in the movie and telling us like, oh my God, you know, just yeah. to get you cringing and going, oh, that's terrible. Because then you start believing that shark out there can do that shit, you know? And yeah. I, so I don't know. Yeah. I didn't well, expect I mean, like I like said, it, like the, the 70s movie, really was a time to, that defined uh, the genre. I mean, I mean like, because even like going back to, to Psycho, because we've talked about this before, and I'm sure we'll talk yes. about it more when we do that episode uh <laughs> just like how at the time because i feel like even after psycho there wasn't anything yeah. like psycho so it's yeah. like you know when you get to the 70s and you know movies like the exorcist and jaws and um i, I mean, like i'll even grow up in texas, uh, chainsaw, in, yeah, massacre. texas chainsaw massacre and, and, and psycho where you know uh contemporary audiences will look at that and just be like well that's not scary um because i mean like i never you know i we talked about this with the exorcist like i didn't find that scary and i certainly didn't find jaws scary um i think it like for me it was at its best when it was more of like a thriller adventure you know when they do get Uh out onto the sea but just in terms of of the actual like the the scariness of of the shark like that uh, that kind of felt like what I was talking about when we were just repeating the same beats, like when the kids were pretending to be the shark and it was just yeah. like, what's going on? Like, I just like everything felt so telegraphed that it's just like, I know that that's not going to, that's just going to be like a, a fake out jump scare. We even did get a jump scare yeah. in the movie and I jumped when they were oh, investigating yeah? the, uh, the, the boat the and, boat. Uh, oh, Ben Gardner's uh, boat. Yeah. Goes, goes under the water and that, cause I was yes. not expecting the head to come 
uh, flying out there. And I think that there must have been a musical sting because I remember like, whoa. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so that, that wasn't in the original cut. There, they did test uh, screenings of that movie uh, initially, and that wasn't there. And they needed something. They needed like a bump. They needed something to happen when Hooper went into the water. Um, to like show the scare or to make it bigger or something because I guess he just clumsily drops the tooth in the original draft I yeah. guess and um, uh, the the first so the first jump scare of the movie was when, much later when uh, Brody is chumming the water and right before you're going to need a bigger boat when the shark just yeah. kind of rises up out of the water and that was the one that had the audiences going <laughs> and everything like that mm-hmm. and then when they put in the uh, Ben Gardner's head, you know, poking through the hole and everything like that. That became the moment where the audience stopped trusting Spielberg because he would sit in with the test audiences and see them jump just as even bigger at that scare than they did at the shark. Yeah. And then the shark, there'd be like a little tittering, like a little kind of like, oh, oh. but nobody, yeah. nobody jumped. Much. He was trying to figure it out like it was a problem. Yeah. And he realized they don't trust me anymore as the filmmaker. They're I actually like, liked that, that moment where the shark kind of like just, peeks his head out of the water wasn't a jump scare because it kind of it it, it worked well with what we're talking about with with sort of brody's reaction of just being yeah nothing nothing i think we're gonna need (laughs) you're gonna need a bigger boat (laughs) because had it been Um, a had it been a a jump scare then i would expect him to react more just be like oh so mm -hmm, you know the mm -hmm. the fact that it, it just in tandem with with how the shark dip, uh, came out of the water and his uh, his slow walk backwards worked out right. well in that case. And uh-huh. you know, like I don't like I I think that this is a like a nicely directed movie. I don't have any mm-hmm, issue mm-hmm. Uh, in terms like I think like technically too like like uh, from that yeah. standpoint. Like I'm just was watching everything at, like towards the end there and just thinking like how. They pulled this off with this with this boat sinking slowly, yeah. and yeah. you know what they're like because clearly like they're all out on the water. I don't think that this was ever in a, in a sound stage, was it? Uh, there were a few moments. We can talk. We can go really go into that in a moment because yeah. there's some a name I want to bring up that I know is going to mean something to you. Oh. But uh... <laughs> but I mean, just in terms of like if they're out on the water and just shooting yes, this from all were. angles around this boat yes. as it, as it's sinking, yes. like that is no in the actual ocean. Easy, yeah, that is no easy. No, feat. they were out there a long time, yeah. a long time. Spielberg spoke uh, has spoken often about that scene where uh, I think it's after the first kind of like little adventure that the three men go out on, and then they're all sitting there showing their scars and stuff, but they're singing "I don't want to go home" and all that. Spielberg would look back at his crew, and there would be tears streaming down their faces while they're singing "I Want to Go Home" because all he knew all his crew wanted to do was go home. Yeah. He just <laughs> wanted to be done with this movie because it was interminably the shark was never working. You know, these were these were. And it wasn't necessarily mechanical, like they knew better than to put like electronic mechanisms like under the water or, you know, try to operate them from the ocean floor and stuff. They were largely analog and, you know, gears and stuff that were moved manually. But um, it still found ways like to, to leak or to 
you know, to stiffen up or, you know, like whatever. Like, I mean, same problems he ran into with Jurassic Park. I'm sure people have seen like the footage of the T-Rex shivering and stuff like that. A lot of Jaws stuff where even just uh, just with the cameras floating over here that you've just set up and the boat that you were shooting on is drifting over here and the shark won't behave because now the tide has, you know, come in and it's just, yeah, yeah all the elements were against them. It was an insurmountable problem, but the studio would not let them stop is the only reason the movie got made. The studio was like, we've invested too much. You're finishing this movie, no matter how much it costs. And good for them. It ended up being the biggest moneymaker of its time. But I did want to ask you, in terms of... Because uh, you're, you're, you're uh, crediting the, the filmmaking and everything like that. Uh, what Were you affected at all by the absence of the physical manifestation of the shark like did that have a positive effect for you or a negative effect or neither uh just the fact that we spent so much time establishing the shark in the first half of the movie which i know you don't like but um where where it's like you know oh there's the dock that's the shark or oh there's a person wafting back and forth and that's a shark you know like what what, what, did you have any kind of reaction no i actually i I thought that everything was used just the right amount because I remember there was even scenes Good. like when they're um, it might have been like around the the point where when everyone was afraid to go in the water and the mayor's like no go in the water and then the shark uh, does emerge and you just see yeah. it like gliding down the yeah uh, the shoreline the the, the the pond yeah yeah pond. and I'm just like wow like because you really get to to see like the scope of it at, at that point uh, yeah. but I you know I was never I never felt like we didn't see enough of it because I felt like the more we went into the movie, the more they showed of it that, yes. you know, by that point it, it was, I mean, maybe I did want to see more of it because the, because I did like the, the second half of the movie more, but uh, maybe you'll like the sequels then. <laughs> we get to see not, a lot of well, I mean, if, if my, if my uh, thought process or just, or just uh, uh, how I feel about uh movie ratings is aligned with what IMDb says. I don't know. Right. Uh, we've got, like, it, it dips. This is rated 8.1 on IMDb, which mm. I think is high. I mean, I guess that's in line. I gave it like four <laughs> stars. So, I mean, that's pretty much close with, with that. But I yeah. mean, like, you know, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that this is better than the thing or Halloween or scream for me personally. No, no I but, don't think so um, either. Uh, but I noticed that the the sequel. I, I think the second one. I'm not sure what it what it said. It might be five point something. But I saw like three and four were like down in the low threes. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have seen. I have watched some movies that are have a really low uh, rating. Okay, yeah. Look at this. Jaws: The Revenge, three point zero. Jaws three D, three point seven. Uh huh. Jaws about right. Jaws two five point eight. Uh huh. Yeah, but I have watched some movies that are, are rated uh, extremely low because it's it's hard to find. I mean, like even for for horror movies, because uh, I don't really pay much attention to Rotten Tomatoes. But like IMDb, I feel yeah. like that is more in line with, uh, you know, the quality of the movie. And I find mm. an average for horror movies is usually six point five. Um, and I think that's, you know, largely due to horror fans who who rate it who know that like this is a good movie but then like you have the general audiences are just like oh it's horror no 
And so you have that, like, that, you kind of meet in the middle there. Um, so I think yeah. that, like, like a, when you have something, because I'm, I'm not sure what, like, even Scream, for example, is rated. Um, it might be, like, 7.2. Oh, let me just look up real quick. Because, like, that to me is, like, if not, like, a 9.5. You know? Like, I would say 10, <laughs> obviously. But, right. um, you know, like, just general audiences aren't going to feel that way. And I feel like Jaws, at least like the, the first one, is not really a horror movie and just in the way that, you know, most people would see a horror movie or avoid a horror movie. Like, I, I feel, because it is mm. Steven Spielberg, it does have that stamp of approval, that blockbuster family uh, sure. friendly. What's the what's the line uh, from, from Chucky that we keep G-rated <laughs> family-friendly horror. <laughs> Except PG rated. <laughs> yes, except it's PG rated. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I get what you're getting. I feel like both, like, two things can be true about it, though, because ultimately I get your point about, um, you You mentioned the movies that you, 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 you would rate higher than this one. And one yeah. thing that I think, I always tend to kind of compare this movie to uh, is <clears throat> Alien for me. In the sense that, like, I certainly do prefer Ridley Scott's Alien to yeah. Steven Spielberg's Jaws. But what I feel like Alien did for that subgenre of kind of like, you know, intergalactic <laughs> yeah. monster slasher, you know, sci-fi, call it whatever, sci-fi thriller, whatever you want to call it. Um, while uh, uh, what it what it did for its own subgenre, I feel like Jaws did for its own subgenre. Because I do have to say the subgenre of shark... Whether you want to call them shark attack movies, shark horror yeah. movies, whatever they I are. I like to call it aquatic yeah. horror. Oh, well, okay. Aquatic horror. I like yeah. that. And I feel like so, we could apply that to, uh, you know, even Anaconda, which we did an episode. <laughs> a while yes. Back. No, I think Anaconda tried to do a lot of things that Jaws did and also didn't even think to try a lot of things that Jaws did. But I think that. <laughs> When you compare the movies that follow, like an Anaconda or a or a Sharknado or <laughs> or a, a Shark Night or like what uh, what you know any of the other like there there was one good one that I saw. What was the one that Blake Lively did, where she was like hmm. in the in 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 like near the shoreline and she was on a rock and a sh- this asshole shark was trying I to get her. I don't that. remember what it was called. Okay, it was a good movie. I, I'll look it up. People, people who are listening are probably going nuts because they know what it's called. Like Eddie, you're an I'll idiot. But anyway, up. okay, cool. Blake Lively. The Shallows. It's the Shallows. That one. Yeah. I liked that one. Um, that said, didn't have like the, you know, it didn't capture the consciousness of the public the way Jaws did. I wish it had. I thought it was a really well done movie. But there's no real kind of equal to it in terms of like its impact on the genre, its impact on the mainstream consciousness, and also just like kind of like its impact on quasi horror adjacent yeah. fare, you know? So I can definitely recognize its you know place there. It's earned that kind of moniker because I, I, I there are a lot of shark movies I would not prefer to see to this movie. I think I would choose Jaws over a lot of other movies. That said, I don't watch it often. Um, Like you mentioned with us kind of feeling like you've seen it, even though I did get a lot out of this screening, I didn't go into it thinking, I'm going to get so much out of this screening. I was kind of going, okay, time to watch this movie again. It's not not one of my faves, 
but obviously there's a lot of stuff that I like about it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I did want to point out to you something that might endear <clears throat> you or endear the movie to you. Sure. Um, somebody, uh, they were doing the uh, shark cage sequence that they were shooting. They initially shot with a real shark with a tiny cage. They tried it with a doll, and they, which didn't work so well. And then they tried it with a smaller person, a smaller stature person yeah. inside the cage with a regular sized. I don't remember if it was a great white or whatever it was. And um, and they got and they got all this footage uh, just I believe off the coast of Australia with an actual shark and with the the smaller stature person. And then. They needed to shoot more of it, and they didn't have Richard Dreyfus anymore, so they needed a stuntman to work with the giant shark puppet in a tank on a soundstage. I think they used the old Esther Williams uh, tank where she used to do her, you know, swimming choreography and everything at MGM. Anyway, the stunt person who stood in for Richard Dreyfus and whose actual eyes, I believe, are the ones that are on screen was Dick Warlock. Oh wow! And he actually, yeah, he actually sat in interview in this two-hour documentary on Jaws and spoke about like his experience making the film. And well, they, I mean, if you, you know, need someone smaller stature, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or mini Michael um, Myers, um, yeah, right. <laughs> Short enough to be I Richard think, Dreyfus. Like, I know. love how like just like excited people get when they hear his name. <laughs> just like Dick Warlock. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i want to do when i grow up you know? <laughs> it's a great why not you yeah. got you know there's worse there's worse uh legacies to have certainly yeah but um <laughs> yeah so I, I mean so that was fun because I, did, I didn't even know that i found that out this most recent mm-hmm. like you know screening and i was just kind of like oh yeah. he's not even credited like it, if you look on imdb he is there but it says just like uncredited yeah yeah like it does but um i also i also had a question i mean since you you kind of picked up in the back, in the bo- you know, the back half of the movie, like mm-hmm. I did wonder something, and I don't know if you had any kind of reaction to it, Quint. Do you have a take on what his deal is, like, <laughs> like what he's, what his real goal is going out on the water? Because I have a, it's I don't know if it's developed enough to be a theory, maybe a hypothesis, but did did it have any kind of impact on you, like what he was doing out there? I don't think that, like for me, he didn't really need to. He was just like that extra window dressing of like, you know, he was what a, like a supporting character needed to be of mm, just like mm. the eccentric sea captain almost yeah. like he, he, cause I mean like there was a, there was a point like even when he, uh, when Brody's like trying to get on the radio and go back there and I saw him get the bat or whatever he yeah. used to smash it. And I, and I was just like, uh Oh, cause I didn't, I didn't, I, I hadn't seen the movie obviously. So I thought that he was going to like whack Brody on the head because it was almost like <laughs> right. it's not totally. about you know where it was almost like he had his own agenda uh, mm. and of course like he he smashed the radio I think that like at that point had he hit Brody and then like you know sabotage the whole thing and then and then yeah. you know made it about this it wouldn't be about the shark anymore it would be about him so mm. I'm glad that didn't happen but it was like yeah. maybe that was just part of Spielberg's uh, direction of just making it seem you know confusing there yeah i just yeah i i was just like who is this joker and i'm like i I was happy that he was there robert shaw who plays him is phenomenal he was uh one of 
you know, the the better, more memorable James Bond villains mm. uh, who, who squared off against Sean Connery. There's the whole sequence in From Russia with Love where the two of them oh. have this uh, this brutal fight in this tiny little train car or yes, cabin. Yes, yes. Uh, which is just like one of the most memorable uh, scenes in like in cinematic history. Mm. Um, so you know, I, I, I knowing like seeing him in this movie, like I knew that he would turn up for sure. And yes, I was actually looking yeah. at some of the trivia, and I guess he was very <laughs> problematic for production because he yeah. was drinking all the time. Like he he uh, and he actually he passed away a few years after this. Uh, came out, mm-hmm. so I don't. I don't know what uh, from what I, w- I didn't look uh, that much up, but I guess he had issues with Richard Dreyfus. Like th- there was a lot of tension yeah. between them, and he was you know drinking during a lot of the scenes. That monologue that he does, uh, they needed to <clears throat> essentially reshoot. Uh, which he actually he asked Spielberg if they could do it again because he's just like, yeah, I was too drunk during the first mm-hmm. time because like, the the scene that you know precedes that or they're all drinking so he's just like oh, i'm just gonna yeah. really get into character exactly so. method <laughs> yeah <laughs> so stupid oh my god then what are you gonna do after take one but um i love uh, the most tactful thing i've ever heard richard dreyfus say about him was that he was a brilliant actor and that he uh was uh a, 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 just a glorious kind of like joy to watch he said like uh even though my mind tends to wander anytime um, <laughs> Quint goes on. Um, that was not the experience for Richard Dreyfus shooting those scenes. He was absolutely magnetized to uh, Robert Shaw and his you know take after take of yeah. his delivery and everything. But he also called him highly competitive in a destructive way. Like if he felt you were be he was being upstaged, um, he would start to physically handle you within a scene in a way that you know nobody directed him to, and nobody knew that they were shooting it that way. And yeah. I think just imagine he does of- he does like whack uh, Roy Scheider on the head. <laughs> Instead right. of hitting the radio, it's just like I just felt like it he, would work better for the movie. You know? Yeah, right. Or even like well, I think there's one moment yeah. of it where you can literally see Richard Dreyfus. I mean, he's a great actor anyway, but you can yeah. see him literally grabbing Richard Dreyfus and holding him by the collar, and it's in such a close-up they almost go out of focus. And then Richard Dreyfus pulls away from him and backs away and says some line I can't remember the exact line, but it's something like I, I, you know, I, I don't need this blue-collar hero shit, you know, like something like that. <laughs> and, um, and it feels. Real, you know, yeah. I mean, even if it wasn't actually happening in that moment, I know, you know, Richard Dreyfus is enough of an actor to use whatever he can <laughs> to make a scene work. And I think his natural, I don't know if I'd call it animosity, but just the natural vibe he had with uh, Robert Shaw was probably working overtime in that scene in particular. Yeah. But um, another thing that I appreciated in terms of like this scene, that, 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 um, all that shark encounter stuff they do. Once the movie takes off, you know, uh, as uh, as as you see it, um, I really forgot all about the adventure that you used that word earlier, and that's a perfect word. Mm-hmm. The adventure in the John Williams score at that at those moments when they're chasing the shark, like all of a sudden, I feel like I'm watching a pirate movie where it's like, "Oh, you land lovers, burst off the starboard bow," or you know, like you can feel. The, the 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 never never land of it all, you yeah. know, like it's the swashbuckling, you know, of it, and um and because that's not something I associate this movie with, and now I hope I never forget it because ne- of course pe- what people associate this movie with in the name of John Williams is that. Dun-dun. 
you know, and all that, which, and rightly so, I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> and rightly so, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, that moved into the mainstream consciousness too, like, people still do that when they want to, you know, like, Im Im impose some kind of threat to something, you know, like, something, mm. something's going to be, something's going to go the way of the shark food, the shark chum, um, but yeah, just hearing, like, that kind of, like, sweeping, score and the whimsy of it like that's something i don't associate with the movie and i was glad to to kind of revisit that um and also i always forget that them comparing their battle scars <laughs> when they're all sitting around the table uh I, I i kevin smith did his own version of that in his movie chasing amy and i always associate it with that movie instead of this one mm. where they compare their scars at a table and talk about it, except in, in chasing amy it's, se it's sexually based injuries and you know in this movie it's you know marine based and um yeah uh but yeah so that was kind of maybe there's some sexual subtext to it though it's, <laughs> it's almost like the the marine animals that they go after become such an obsession to them that they're they're more important than their their actual land lovers what we'll call them <laughs> <laughs> men at sea you know but, oh but that actually i'm glad you brought that up though not not that in particular but just in terms of like their priorities because that's why i asked you about quint because what i got from quint in this most recent screening that i don't i again it's been a long time since i've seen it so i don't know if i got it before but i almost got like hints of like that captain ahab thing of like you know pursuing the great white whale and like i'm gonna meet my end you know, with this thing, like, I wondered if he was suicidal at times when I was screening the movie. I, he, he just seemed so reckless yeah. and so irresponsible and so willing to he just was, kind of, I mean, he was putting their lives in danger. He destroyed the radio yeah. for them to contact the Coast Guard and shit. And I couldn't understand why. Mm-hmm. Except he wanted to go down with the ship, you know? He wanted just just me and the pain, you know? Yeah. Something like that. With, no, some kind of like with, with no regard for, you know, the other human life on board that might want to, like, go home and see their kids, you know? Like, yeah, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's even the point where, where his wife uh, radioed in and he's like, yeah, I'll take the call. And he's yeah. like... Oh, can't talk now. Uh, real busy. Over and out. <laughs> yeah. But we haven't seen the shark, and the shark is, like, right there. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, because that's another thing. People talk about, like, you know, uh, Mayor Vaughn's kind of, like, disregard for human life. I don't ever really hear anybody talking about Quince, <laughs> yeah. which I think is probably just as dangerous. I mean, it's a danger to less people because there's only two other people on that boat. Yeah. But, um, um, oh, I also just love the dissection of the shark. When they're just like, when they, when anything Richard Dreyfus does in this movie, I like, we've already kind of praised him, but I just want to give him such a shout out. Like, I adore him in this movie. He didn't want to do it. He even turned it down. And then he did a movie that he starred in, I think in Canada. And he went to a screening of it and he saw his face for the first time, like 15 feet high on a screen and thought he was terrible. And then he completely failed the assignment. And he's like, I'm never going to work again if people see this movie and this is all they have to see me. I got to call up Steven Spielberg and say, you know, if you still want me to play that role, uh, yeah. I'm totally down. And Spielberg said, yeah, you're in. And, what was the um, movie? 
I don't remember the name of it. It was something I'd never heard of. He even named it in the interview, but it's probably the feature that immediately, you know, precedes Jaws in his filmography because, (laughs) and then his next movie after this, I believe, I know Spielberg's next movie was Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Richard Dreyfuss did that with him. And I know they both had nervous breakdowns after this movie because of the shoot and because of how harrowing it was and everybody needed to kind of like regroup and get, you know, themselves back on the horse, as it were, before they could ride, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Was it close-ups? The... I don't think that was the Or it might have, it has a different, it has, it's on the poster, it says inserts. No, I don't think that's it. Was it shot in Canada? Uh, I don't know. You're, you look at those that's that's way too much. Yeah. Uh, that's too much searching. of a deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he was very ashamed of his work in it, and that's that's yeah. why we got. Unless him it's in the this, movie that came after we... it, which is this the no, because he's uncredited in that, and it's definitely not mm. Close Encounters. So uh, <laughs> the second coming of is... Suzanne. <laughs> uh, that three, might three point three on IMDb. That sounds. If he's the first credited on uh, the IMDb page, then it's probably it. He's fourth. I don't remember. It was a very forgettable. It was a very forgettable title. Was the other yeah. thing. Like it, 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 he said it. It went one ear. It went out the yeah. other. But um, uh, but I do have to say, like I think this is among my favorite Spielberg movies, just in terms of like everything that I've said. Like the, mm-hmm. I, the, there was no. Gosh, I even think in terms of like the color purple. I think I mentioned it on one previous episode, maybe or maybe. Maybe I didn't, but like there's one scene where like Whoopi Goldberg's character Celie is expecting letters from her sister who is, you know, abroad and she's she's not getting she's abroad, them. She's going hey. to the mailbox. No, stop. And she goes, she's going to the mailbox to check and Spielberg to kind of accentuate the emptiness and the vacancy of the mailbox decides after she's pulled away from it to zoom in to the empty mailbox uh, you know, like he's like dollying in like closer and closer, like to this empty mailbox just to accentuate. Look how vast it is. Look how many letters aren't in the mailbox. And I was just like, God damn it. This movie's about people. It's not about fucking mailboxes. Like, will you stop using the camera? Like, just point, <laughs> just point it. They're good actors. Get their work. And I didn't have a lot of that in this movie. Um, so I think it's among my, my top tier. It even, you know, maybe one day we'll talk about Jurassic Park and I can go into more detail about that. But because um, it's quasi horror, you know, mm. there's kills. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe we'll just. <laughs> maybe. Maybe maybe someday. Maybe someday. But um, yeah, uh, 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 apart from that, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really have to say. Oh, I really appreciate kind of like the Batman 66 labeling of it all. The fact that like at one point, I think it's Brody picks up something that is full on labeled shark dart repeater. It reminded me of like, you know, like the bat uh, shark repellent. <laughs> the, yeah. The shark repellent bat spray, you yeah. know, and the way it was labeled and everything. <laughs> I, mean, I, I got full on like uh, Adam West vibes yeah. from that. And that made me smile. That oh will my always gosh. make me smile. Okay. No, like knock at Roy uh, Scheider, but I mean, just imagine if Adam West had played, uh, oh my Chief god <laughs> I totally would have watched that movie I mean it would have been a very different movie I wonder what his reaction to the shark coming out with the chum <laughs> would have been as he backs into but I mean lovely lovely baritone voice you know yeah. that would have been great yeah. oh Adam oh, Adam West didn't get to do enough we needed more from that man yeah. anyway <laughs> any other thoughts <laughs> no I think we can get to the cherry picker 
All right, first order of business, we have to pick a cherry on top. And I think that, you know, we're in agreement here. It, yeah. was, it was Hooper. Yeah, Matt Hooper, yeah. played by for, Richard Dreyfus. For all the reasons we said before, but uh, yeah, he, he was for easy. me. I mean, because like, like I said, immediately, like the second he showed up on screen. I mean, the movie didn't start until, for me, until they went out onto the water. But when he showed up, I was already <laughs> like so much more engaged. Uh, yeah. And he, like, cause he just seems like he was the one that knew what was going on. And like you said, if this was a movie that was made today or even like, you know, years before this, like we yeah. would he would have been the entry point since in the movie this would have been his movie um yeah. so you know maybe that's that's where they lost me was that it wasn't mm-hmm. him but but at least we <laughs> we get to honor him here so yes so cherry on top uh yeah, we now, love Richard Dreyfus we do and he's a Scorpio i just uh, noticed on hey! his IMDb, so. that makes so much sense one one more for the, the team you know we've i've yeah. got Winona Ryder uh, in my corner as well you know oh you got quite a little rally behind you yeah <laughs> I know. well great. i'm sure they're not behind me but you know <laughs> i'm behind <them. laughs> right alongside you full full equity yeah <laughs> anyway cherry picker uh, yeah. Last week, we asked you who deserves to die the most in identity. I said mm. Judge Tyler. You said Timmy York. Yeah. And uh, no spoilers, uh, but uh, <laughs> across Patreon, Instagram, and YouTube, uh, it was 141 for Judge Tyler versus 227 for Timmy York. Yay! Thanks, guys. Yeah, you, we did it. <laughs> yeah, you, you finally did. Let's, we finally did it. Let's read some uh, uh, some comments. Yeah. Uh, Rowena Potter says, "I agree with Eddie, and I just really want Eddie to win this week." <laughs> That's so sweet. Thank you. Okay, I'll take both. Uh, Sheena Wickham says, my first yeah. pick was Caroline Suzanne, but my second was the judge. Oh, so that's, that's one for me. Okay. I see. I, I liked Caroline Suzanne. Too. Like I didn't I did like too. her, but she's just, she's just no. so watchable, you know, like you, yes. you just get such a kick out of, uh, you know, you have to have a, the bitch of, of the yeah. movie. And, and, and I she, got just the right amount of her too. Yeah. Re- Rebecca DeMorey. Like it was good that, you know, yeah, that she was, I mean, I guess I'll just say this, but like you know exited early because yeah. i don't know yeah, how well she would have played off of everyone else you know no throughout because no. she you know you talked a lot about like how the women of the movie kind of turned into the the, the shrieking like what are you gonna do yeah, like imagine hysterical yes imagine that like the rebecca de mornay character being i mean maybe oh, if, she was, if she that was, was hysterical because there was rain yeah and she was hysterical because she needed to get places and you know she's yeah. putting out fires and yeah fuck that <laughs> no um, <laughs> Thomas Baker, I vote. Uh, uh, my vote goes to Timmy. Kenta Yay. Voorhees, great Yay. name. <laughs> I always hated Timmy. Um, uh, he he dipped out on uh, Stokely in the car explosion, off with his head. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Lewis Carroll. <laughs> uh, David B says hashtag Team Eddie for life. Oh, wow. wow! Thank you. Yeah, that uh, I I I will try to be worthy. And, and you know, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna 
zip my lip on that one. <laughs> uh, Blue Box 87 says, Timmy, that little evil poop. Uh, Ricky Jones says, I liked Rhodes. Oh, okay. So do I. I <laughs> that's why he yeah. wasn't nominated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Michael. Though. Michael 92 says, is this movie any good? Never seen it, but the plot sounds mm. like a lot of fun. Well, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, the, the episode isn't out yet. We're, okay, yeah. yeah, just because of scheduling, you know, we're, we're kind of, by the, when we're filming this right now, Jaws episode, yeah. I think that there will already be two more that come out uh, mm. before that. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we're just because of uh, of uh, schedules, like we have to do it early. So yeah, yeah, we yeah, put yeah, the yeah, vote yeah. out there so we can read it for the next one. But a lot of the time, uh, yeah. nobody's like, we're not getting live comments uh, or just like in, in terms right. of like what the day that the episode airs. So. Yeah. you'll you'll hear the uh or you already would have listened to the podcast uh, if you check back with us again michael 92 but yeah hopefully, i hope you liked it yeah i, I hope you did too. <laughs> well you don't care because you didn't like it but well but, i want him uh, to enjoy himself yeah. <laughs> uh and then somebody says judge taylor hey so, yeah thank you oh he was such a shit yeah <laughs> such a shit okay <laughs> okay now, you are the uh, reigning champion again for for the second week. Yeah. So you get to you get to first uh, dibs. And I'm going to be a total basic bitch. I know you. And I'm just going to. Ch- <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm. I mean, I don't know how you cannot pick Mayor Larry Vaughn. Murray Hamilton did a great job playing him, making him just like that. You know, dripping with venom, like you know, kind of villain. And even though I talk about the dimension that he reaches at the end, it does not in any way redeem him. And lo- innocent lives were lost. He has to live with that for the rest of his life. And I think that is not enough. I think he should have been eaten by the shark <laughs> slowly, even more like painfully and slowly than Shaw, you know, or even we didn't even talk about the opening kill with uh, Chrissy yeah. with her. It hurts. It hurts. And everything. I, anytime yeah. people yell, it hurts when they're being killed. Fuck me. That I, does something to my, she psyche. had, some, she had like some really good lines and delivery of lines. Like I liked uh, yeah. when they're just like, where are we going? We're going swimming. Yes. <laughs> something, like something to that effect. <laughs> She's so great. Uh, played yeah. by Susan Backliney. But um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. The, the mayor deserved even worse than that. And the fact that he didn't even get that uh, mm. made me ma- makes me and made me angry. So yeah, that's my choice. I, yeah. There's no case to be made. Um, <laughs> how about you? I mean, it doesn't really matter because I've already lost this one. <laughs> but uh, I'm torn because I mean, like, oh, what do you mean? Oh, I mean, I mean, no, Jack, I'm, I'm based interested. off of like how we were talking because you know, like Brody was just oh you know God. such a such a passive character throughout <sighs> the movie. Like, it just if if he was just did a little bit more, you know. The, I might have enjoyed the movie more, but then you also have Quint, who's just like a psychopath, and I enjoy watching him. You know, that's like how we were just mentioned about Caroline Suzanne. I don't want to yes. kill her off because she's just so fun to watch. Sure. And not that like Brody's not fun to watch. Uh, 
I'm just I'm gonna go for Quint because if I if I choose Brody, people are gonna like be too confused. And you know, sometimes the, the, the path more. of the path of like the least resistance is, is usually the better. Just, I mean, just ask Brody. You know that that's kind of his uh, <laughs> his mantra in life. So uh, yeah, oh, I'm gonna yeah. go for Quint just because. I mean, like you're a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> love you, but you know you, you're, oh you're kind of reckless. So I just love that it was you were torn between like two of the movies like 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 officially registered heroes. Yeah, of the, I mean, granted, they are complex beings. They yeah. are not is heroes. Is Brody but... <laughs> complex though? I mean, I come think on. he is. I find him dimensional, barely and com- complex. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, there you uh, go, folks. But yeah, uh, vote your heart, vote your conscience. You can yeah. uh, vote over uh, Patreon, Instagram, and YouTube. Yep. And uh, I do want to welcome a new Patreon supporter. <gasps> and I hope I say this right. But uh, welcome to Andrew Hoekstra. <laughs> so welcome aboard uh if welcome. you guys uh, and you know we, we've uh, repeated this for the the past three episodes in a row i think it was but uh if you want to check out uh, uh my patreon you will get uh, early access to all of these episodes so you'll hear them like i think like a full like four uh or five days before whenever we release them However, it, you know, if you also want to uh, sign up uh, at the Freddy Krueger tier, we do a bonus episode of the podcast uh, every month. And this uh, month for July, we ranked uh, 85 final girls in a giant I still don't know how we did that. Ranking. My God. I really yeah. want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, at the, yeah, it has, I mean, it'll be released by the time this episode comes out. But nice. uh, at, at this point, it, it, it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been released. Andre, our editor, who, by the way, thank you for editing Yay! all of these. He's still working on it. So that is is it's slated to be released on the 20th on uh, Patreon. So um, okay. by the time this is out, it'll already be there. So, you know, you can go right. check it out. Uh, we also have uh, last month's. Uh, uh, cherry picker after dark that's what we call them there are yeah, bonus episodes yeah. and that was uh based on cursed films cursed horror films mm-hmm. so uh yeah if you guys are looking to support the podcast it definitely helps uh improve the quality and you know makes them better and you know <laughs> helps put food on the table as well mm-hmm. but uh you know we'd appreciate that and uh there's a lot uh, to get out of there as well if you're looking for anything extra yeah um If you guys uh, are new to the podcast and uh, you're either watching this on YouTube uh, or listening to it as a podcast, you can watch these videos. The YouTube channel is The Cherry Picker, obviously. And uh, if you are watching it uh, and want to listen instead, the RSS feed link is in the descriptions down below. Uh, Where can they find you, Eddie? They can find um, me, Eddie, social media. Uh, at Edward is Truth on Instagram, one word, and uh, Edward is Truth on YouTube, one word, uh, reacting to movies. Uh, I'll post something new soon. <laughs> You've been saying but that. But watch me react. <laughs> I know. It'll happen. It will happen. One of these yeah. days, it'll be true. One of these days, yeah. And uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Retro Bitch Face. 
My main YouTube channel is uh, Zach Cherry. I am working on something new, uh, scream <laughs> related, of course, because what else is it going to be? Uh, so that might be out by the time this episode is aired anyway. But, uh, you know, uh, stay tuned. And I'm also on Twitter at Zach Cherry 8. And if you guys would also like to follow the podcast Instagram, it is at the Cherry Picker Pod. So you can look for us there. Um, what else we got uh, going on? What's what's uh, next week's episode? I don't remember. Oh, wait, I do. Wait, it, it, okay. Is it the one that we've been leading up to by the director, the auteur? Is that the one? Or is that no? Maybe. Is it, is it it's like a, it's, it's, no? a, it's It's in celebration of someone's birthday. Oh, okay, okay. Then is it related to like you know napping and <laughs> yeah okay okay and it doesn't have like my favorite all time final girl in it yeah <laughs> okay cool then it's a nightmare on Elm Street from 1984 that's right uh, <laughs> which will be released. On August 2nd, Wes Craven's birthday, you know, we actually, we were going to do Nope, I think it was for, for our next yeah, one, but, but we, yeah, we rearranged them because I was just like, no, Wes Craven's birthday is this day, the release of our podcast. Yeah. So we are going to push Nope back because Jordan mm -hmm. Peele will not mind. And, you know, it'll let more people, you know, give them time to go see the movie because we're going Absolutely. to, we're going to jump into a nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm excited for that because... Uh, I mean, it's been a while since I've watched it. And I think a lot of people, especially with my YouTube channel, are just like, when are you going to cover Nightmare on Elm Street? So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. But at least for the cherry picker, we're going to be yeah. covering it next week. So We're getting the gears going, kids. Yeah. So, you know, it, that <laughs> definitely will lead to more Nightmare on Elm Street content for sure. So, stay right. tuned until then. Otherwise, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will be right back. <laughs>